0: Everybody, what is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. What do you typically do when you encounter verses that don't make sense? More often than not, I think our tendency is to just skip them. In today's Devo, Terrell reminds us that Jesus understands our trials, our suffering, and our pain. He isn't a stranger to deep agony. Our own challenges and agony can overwhelm us, but God's always there. He's not hiding, He hasn't gone astray, and He has not turned His face away from us. As a reminder, you can access daily devotionals and discussion questions that correlate with our reading plan at jointhejourney.com. In today's episode, I want to talk about two challenging verses you probably encountered when you read Matthew 26. First off, in verse 5, As the priests are plotting to arrest and kill Jesus, they plan not to during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people, it reads. And it's interesting. When I think back to Sunday school Easter lessons, I recall crowds cheering for Jesus' crucifixion. Give us Barabbas! Crucify Jesus! Were the crowds not pro-crucifixion? Why did the leaders fear an uproar? Why wouldn't the crowds have favored Jesus's crucifixion had it been proposed during the feast? Remember, Bible study 101, we always start with observation. What do we notice? Ask the who, what, when, where, and why questions. In verses 1 through 5, who? The chief priests and the elders. They're the spiritual leaders of Israel. That's verse 3. What did they want to do? Deliver an innocent man over for punishment. Verse 5. And this would have applied Matthew's Jewish audience. Remember, the book of Matthew was written to the Jews. Why? In short, they disagreed with Jesus' teachings, which would maybe be verse 1, but we can't make an explicit why observation from these five verses, so I'm cheating a little here. Nevertheless, where were the spiritual leaders at this time? In the palace of the high priest. That's verse 3. The place where justice should be most strongly upheld. And when did this conversation take place? During Passover. Now, I get the feast name specifically from verse 17 through the reference to Unleavened Bread, but we know it's a feast from verse five. This is a time when lots and lots of travelers would be passing through, and it's a time when Jesus's fame among the Jews was widespread. And you can really make loads more observations in those first five verses, but in summary, we've got the spiritual leaders, who should be the most fair, just, and trustworthy, plotting to convict an innocent man. They were scheming. So why did they need to wait to propose Jesus' crucifixion until after the feast? Well, it's because they were scheming. They were answering the question, in what scenario are we most likely to get our desired outcome? Now, the fact that the spiritual leaders waited until after the feast means that the door was opened for the Passover scene with the disciples, the end of which presents another challenging verse. If, as Jesus says in verse 24, the Son of Man would go as it was written of him, why then was Judas held accountable for betraying Jesus? I mean, Jesus said it would have been better for that man if he had not been born. If this had been God's plan all along— is it really fair for Judas to be held accountable? I mean, did he have a choice? This passage is a really clear example of the tension that runs between God's sovereignty and man's free will. Side by side, how do we make sense of them? And scripture makes it clear that from the very beginning, Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. And if you wanna look into this more, pause the episode and check out John six seventy. 13, 20 through 11, and Psalm 41, 9. It was clear Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. But it's also clear that Judas would be held responsible for his decision to betray Jesus based off this chapter, hence the woe in verse 24. Judas, just like the other disciples, had spent years traveling with Jesus. He saw what they saw, heard his teaching live. But just like every one of us, Judas had to make a decision. Do I believe he is the son of God? Am I on his team? Do I want to align myself with him? Am I willing to lose everything to follow him? Now, there's a reality that in a salvific sense, we can say yes, but then in a moment deny Jesus. Peter's a really clear example of this. He denied Jesus three times, but it's clear he repented as he went on to strengthen his brothers. And you can study this further by pausing the episode and looking at Luke 22, 31-34 in Acts chapter 2. But the difference is, in Judas's case, he could have repented, begged Jesus for forgiveness, grieved his sin, but he didn't. As we'll see in tomorrow's reading, while he was overcome by remorse for his decision, we don't see repentance. There's a difference between remorse and repentance. Remorse says, I don't like how this decision made me feel, whereas... Repentance says, I want to make amends with the one I offended. And ultimately, the expression, better if he had not been born, signals Judas must have made a choice with eternal consequences. Understanding God's sovereignty and man's free will can be a challenge. If you find yourself wrestling with this idea, I always find it helpful to remind myself of this verse, 2 Peter 3.9. Here it is in the NIV. Verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wishing anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. We can't always understand God's ways, but we can take comfort in knowing His heart is good. And I'm so glad we're on this journey together.